Hello everyone, welcome back to the Tar Heel Prescription, a student-run podcast here at the UNC School of Medicine. I'm one of your co-hosts for today, my name is Peter. And my name is Abdul, I'm your second co-host for today and the MSK block is the last major hurdle that stands between MS1s and completing their first year of medical school. Today we will be breaking down this marathon block of muscles and bones, as well as the recipes for success with the wonderful block directors Dr. Kernick and Dr. Esther. Thank you both so much for being here, if you would please tell us a little more about who you are and what you do here at UNC. I'll start off. Uh, most of the students know me, Dr. Kernick. I'm the anatomy coil director, and I run a bunch of the blocks during the foundation phase, so I'm pretty familiar with the students already. And I'm Bob Esther. I'm a professor and vice chair in ortho and clinically do mostly orthopedic oncology, so I'm a lump and bump doctor most of the time, although I also do regular broken bone stuff occasionally as well. Well, it's uh, great to have you both here today. Dr. K, it's great to see you again. And Dr. Esther, uh, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Personally, I was so excited for MSK all of last year and ended up being one of my favorite blocks. So I'm very excited to talk about this block today and uh, to dive right in. Uh, Thinking about logistics for a moment, tell us more about the MSK block itself. What should students expect to see in terms of structure and content? I think I can jump into that. Um, the MSK block is interesting because it's kind of broken down into like three or four uh, silos, if you will, even though it's an integrated uh, block or an integrated course. It, we start out in the entire first week as dermatology. And, uh, you know, the students have some lectures. They have some small groups during that first week. And then we finish that week up with an NBME exam that's dedicated just to dermatology. And the next two weeks of the block are entirely anatomy. Students will be in the anatomy lab every day for two straight weeks where we do the anatomy of the back and the upper limb and the lower limb. And it's great for students in the spring because they've about had it and it's a lot of time up out of their chairs and in the anatomy lab. And so we love it and the anatomy faculty love it. And that's the second part of the of the block. And then the third part is kind of the orthopedic that Dr. Esther runs. And uh, so very clinically heavy and using the anatomy that we learn in, in, in the second portion of the block. And I'll let Dr. Esther talk more about that. And then in, in the last portion is a few days of rheumatology. So it's kind of broken down into those four different sectors. Bob, maybe you can expand a little bit about the third portion, the ortho. Yeah, so for the for the clinical portion, we really build on what happens during the anatomy just because a lot of clinical musculoskeletal medicine is very pathoanatomic. Um, obviously, there's some physiology, and we get into some of that um, in terms of metabolic bone disease and osteoporosis and all those sorts of issues. But a lot of what we treat regularly is more anatomic in terms of common clinical scenarios. So much of what we do builds on what Dr. Kernick and his team does in the first part of the block. And then we really focus on relevant imaging, anatomy, common clinical findings, and then also physical exam. Really, you know, musculoskeletal conditions are so common that almost regardless of specialty, you encounter some of these issues. Um, and then certainly even in um, regular life, your family will ask you lots of these issues. So it'll position you to be helpful at family get-togethers too for, you know, your uncle with a sore shoulder or something like that, um, in addition just to the doctoring aspect of it. 
It's a definitely great way to end the first year of medical school. And Dr. Esther, you kind of mentioned this, but the MSK block is pretty unique from previous blocks because there is a notably heavier emphasis on anatomy rather than physiology, which means memorization. So how should students approach learning in this block, especially for folks who, just like me, struggle with straight memorization? So from that perspective, I'll let Dr. Kernick address this too. Um, So from that perspective, we focus more on functional and clinical issues. So do you have to learn in some capacity what the rotator cuff muscles are? I mean, you do, but it's not a matter of memorizing a tons of origins and insertions and those sorts of issues. It's much more clinically relevant and much more functional in the approach um, as opposed to just tons of rote memorization. Uh, it's much more focused and kind of clinically directed than that. Yeah, that's 100% right. And I think by the time the students, the MS1s, get to to the MSK block, they've had me for anatomy with cardio and respiratory and GI. And I think most people know that it's not pure memorization, that it's really the clinically relevant portions of anatomy that we try to stress. And we do, as Dr. Astor said, we try to get away from origins and insertions because medical students, they just don't really get assessed on that from a NVME or a step one. You don't need to know it and you'll forget it anyway. So very uh, true. <laughs> you know, so we try to focus more on the clinically relevant stuff. So uh, it's not super heavy memorization, but you do have to learn some terms like in other blocks. One of the reasons this block was my favorite was that we had a lot of dissections. Um, With lots of anatomy, it means we have a lot of dissections. How should students use their time in anatomy lab to enhance their content learning? So, you know, one of the the nice things I think about MSK as compared to some of the other blocks throughout the foundation phase is, you know, let's just say there's an eight o'clock anatomy lecture, a regional anatomy lecture on the shoulder. And then at nine o'clock, we go to the lab and we dissect it. And so it's twice in a row that you're seeing and learning the same thing. And then if students would go home and maybe rewatch the pre-lab module or review the lecture, it's the third or the fourth time they're seeing that same content. And so you can really minimize how much study time you need to do if you're active in lecture and active in preparing and active in the lab because you just get so much repetitive, uh, you know, seeing the same regional anatomy that same day. And talking more about content, and we know that the MSK block encompasses so many different um, specialties, uh, dermatology, anatomy, orthopedics, rheumatology. So it's kind of broad in that sense, but if you could narrow it down, what would you say the high yield topics are in this block for both a test-taking purposes as well as when we are on the wards? You know, I think that that all the units in MSK from dermatology all the way through to, to rheumatology, the faculty try at the end of each session, at the end of each small group to kind of highlight what we think are the most important, what I like to call bottom line concepts. And, you know, those are those those summary concepts are put there for a reason because they are the high yield information. And it's not meant to memorize the bottom line concepts. If you understand the bottom line concepts and how they're clinically relevant, you you basically are understanding the main points that we're trying to drive home. And so I think all four of the units tend to do a pretty good job of that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think we really work on emphasizing the high yield and really clinically relevant content 
as we go, um, whether that be something uh, traumatic, like common presentations for hip fracture, then there's a tie in there with metabolic bone disease, and then eventually what you'll see in endocrinology, and then, you know, inflammation and issues around the knee, then there's nice tie in with what the rheumatologists do in terms of RA and OA and gout and all those arthritic conditions. So there's nice kind of connection between the different portions of the block in terms of the anatomic and traumatic and inflammatory and rheumatologic conditions. We also try to do some, and we do this on purpose, is some repetitive teaching of information. Educationally, that's a very sound way to get students to learn what we think is the most important. And so you'll hear from me a lot of clinical aspects of anatomy, and then the experts step in in the next unit, and you know they get to rehash it and talk more about it because they live it every day. And so it, it's done on purpose because we know that you, students learn it better if they hear it more than once. And from that perspective, there's also overlap with PCC as we go as well in terms of what we do in some of our small groups in terms of physical exam. So there's some intentional repetition there in terms of learning principles of MSK physical exam for the major joints. Yeah, I know as a resident, I probably learned 15 or 20 knee exams as I went through and I still haven't figured it out, you know, so, um, so I think there's value in seeing more than one approach to, say, examining a shoulder or a knee. In terms of uh, studying, especially the high-yield topics, many students tend to gravitate towards third-party resources. Um, how should students go about incorporating lectures and third-party resources in their learning for this block? I know there's a, a lot of great resources that are out there. Um, I, I like to think that the resources that we provide are equally as good, if not better. And, you know, I'll speak mainly for, you know, the anatomy portion. I'd love to see students be there in lecture. The lectures in the MSK block are designed to be interactive. I have a lot of questions and cases that we do, and we'd love to have them there because I think you can get a lot more out of the information if you're there and talking with your neighbor and trying to figure out the cases and questions that we do. Um, but certainly, I know that external resources are, are high yield for students. So if they're helpful, then I suggest they use those too. And speaking a little more about the small groups, Dr. Esther, I had the pleasure of being with you last year. Um, in our experience, the small groups were quite different than the other ones that we've had in the past. They were kind of integrated, and we kind of talked about this a little bit with physical exam skills. Could you talk a little more about the structure of these small groups and how best students can prepare when coming into these? So for our portion, the the orthopedic portion of the block, we usually have our small groups broken up into two so that there's one faculty member and one orthopedic resident, usually a PGY2 resident, teaching as a team. And then usually we'll break the small groups into half and then spend half the time with each of those two um, instructors. And then Typically, the faculty member focuses more on imaging and clinical findings, say, for a given set of entities, um, say, issues around the knee, for example. And then the resident will spend that time with the other half of the small group going over common physical exam findings around the knee, how to approach a patient with a knee issue and, and those sorts of related issues. So there's nice 
uh, overlap there. And then in terms of preparation, the I think the most helpful thing is for students to you know, have either been at lecture or you know looked at the lecture before going to the small groups just to have a sense for some of the um, the content going into it because pretty much in any given learning scenario if you know more going into it then you'll learn more during it if, yeah. if, if that makes sense so um, so going into the small groups cold will be less productive in general just in terms of what you get out of it Absolutely. And kind of going off of that, in your experience, where do you think students struggle the most in this block? And what should students do if they find themselves falling behind? Um, you know, fortunately, I think with MSK, students overall do really well. And I think part of it is the forced repetition that we do. And, you know, in a lot of blocks here in the foundation phase, you could have lecture from 8 o'clock to 12 o'clock. You could accrue four lengthy PowerPoints on a Monday and four on a Tuesday. And before you know it, you've got a thousand PowerPoint slides to go through. But in the MSK block, it, you know, there's pretty much just one, you know, maybe two lectures in a day, but oftentimes it's just one followed by a lab or one lecture followed by a small group and they parallel each other. So, you know, the content, I think, it just has a it's very workable for students compared to the amount of content that they find in other blocks. And so I think that's helpful. And you know, we understand that it's the end of the a long academic year. and uh, you know, so I, I, I think it's just a manage I think it's a more manageable block from an academic perspective than some of the others. I agree. Definitely the pacing felt a lot more um, forgiving uh, than previous blocks. And like you said, it's kind of the end of the year, dwindling down, kind of coming to a halt and looking forward to that summer vacation. And along the lines of what Dr. Kernick just said, I think some of the intentional repetition in the course helps with um, some of the kind of more challenging content just because you're seeing it more than once over the course of the four or five weeks. Um but by, by the same token, I think the other related challenge for students is just related to the end of the year issue. And there's just a lot going on. And there are lots of moving parts, not just in our block, but there are other demands on students' time. And it can just, as end of semesters or terms are for whether you be an undergraduate or a graduate student, there's just a lot going on, you know. Right. You guys have PCC finals and SHS has activities that they want you to do. So we try to correlate that. We're going to do a better job this year than we did for for, for you guys. Thought it went great last year. So looking, <laughs> I'm excited for the MS1s this time around. So good. Well, now on a fun note, what is your favorite bone and or muscle? Yeah, I don't know why I've always been partial to the scapula. I, I just love it. I mean, it's very geometric looking bone and doesn't seem to get broken too often. And it's almost entirely covered by muscle, and so I've just always fallen in love with that. So, from my perspective, the I'm a fan of the humerus. It's I, I would have it in my top four seeds if there were a a, a, a bone tournament. You know, I would have it up there. Um, my least favorite bone is probably the fibula, um, but. Um, Fibula but, uh, doesn't get a lot of respect. It, it doesn't, <laughs> you know. Um, but, um, but, but, but humorous, you know, would probably be 
Well, those are all the questions we have for you. We'd like to leave some room now for you guys to share any other thoughts or insights that you might have. And this could be about anything really, whether it's about block, medicine, life, general advice that you may have for us as aspiring physicians. I'll just say, you know, we're excited for the block to come and we're always excited to work with the students. We'll hope they, we hope they come to lecture. We'd love to see them there. We know they'll be there in lab. And so we have a great time in the block. The anatomy faculty are super excited to teach it. And so we're just, we're thrilled. You know, that's one of our favorite times of the year. And, and uh, I, I would echo that, you know, for me, it's a high point of the year in terms of getting to interact with students. Obviously, we interact with students on their clinical rotations as well. But in, in this venue, it's just a, you know, wonderfully gratifying experience to get to interact with y'all. And I would also say it's a great opportunity for students to interact with residents who um, are readily available in the small groups and can give you some insight in terms of, you know, how they approached studying, step exams, and even how they, you know, made specialty choices too uh, in terms of how they set priorities and figured out their their own different paths. So I think there are some opportunities there too. I think that is a great note to end on. Thank you so much for being here and sharing some of your time and wisdom with us today. To our listeners, that was Dr. Ed Koernick and Dr. Bob Esther and a quick snapshot into the musculoskeletal block. My name is Peter. And my name is Abdul. Be sure to follow the Tar Heel Prescription on Instagram to keep up with our speaker highlights and latest episodes. Thank you guys for tuning in today and we'll see you next time on the Tar Heel Prescription. Prescription.